How many years ago was it, Pastor Ron? You sent me, you sent Kevin Jones and me to Spain. Ooh, had to be 20. 20 something. What do you think, Jan? 25. Yee, I don't know. 20, 20 something years ago, Pastor Ron sent a good friend, Kevin Jones, and me to Spain. We went to Spain, beautiful Madrid, Spain. We were there for maybe six, six, seven, eight days. We were there to train up churches in a witnessing technique called Are You 100% Sure? And here's how it goes. I won't go through the whole thing for lack of time, but it begins this way. You walk up to someone, and it is designed for you to walk up to a stranger, and within about maybe three minutes max, bring them to a place of decision-making, inviting Christ, and leading them in a prayer of salvation. After three minutes, every, every 30 seconds it goes by, it decreases your opportunity to close the deal. You know, if I can call it a deal, or to, to seal the, the hearts and, and bring them into the kingdom. And we would, uh, 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 it, it starts off with, uh, are you 100% sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven? And then we have a few other questions. You keep them on track. And then uh, it was a wonderful witnessing program. I remember when my daughter was maybe... 15, 14, maybe 16, I'm not sure. She was a part of the, the training here in the youth group of the RE 100% Sure program. And we were having some work done on our home. Might have been the vinyl siding. And I, I'm, I'm in my house and I see my daughter, cute little girl, following these two young, early 20s, late teens workers out to their truck on the road. And these guys are thinking, you know, it's our lucky day, you know. And and she and 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 I'm and, and I, I'm watching through the mini blinds, and she she she's on the road with them. She's out there for maybe two minutes, and it's two guys. She's looking at one. She's looking at the other. And then she looks at one, focuses on one. He focuses on that guy. And then he reached, she, he, this, is, this is Earl Street, busy, a busy road. And he, cars are going by, and this, this guy reaches out, holds his hand out. She, she holds her hand out, and, and he holds his, his hand out, and they pray together. This guy received Christ right there on the road. It was amazing. And I, know, and I knew the program because we were training kids too, and, and I knew where she was going. I, and, and when she was holding her hand out, here's the, the, the last of maybe four questions. She was saying, can you think, here's what she said to him on that busy road, can you think of any reason why you would not want to spend an eternity with a heavenly father that loves you so much? What, what a great, what an amazing closing statement. It just captures you. And you, you have, you're at a place where you, you have to deny or accept. And you do it with grace and you're kind. And it's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a danger element in the program. You really have to be trained well and be led by the sp spirit as, as you do this. But I'm just amazed at this program. And so we took it to Spain. And when I went to the Spain, it was my first time to leave the country and go over. Thanks, Pastor Ron. It was my first time to go over. And one phenomenon that you experience when you go overseas and you get away from, away from your 
country and you're dropped in the middle of a people group who eat different fruit, food, uh, they, they, they speak a different language, they dress differently, they're a different culture. When you're dropped in the middle of that and you walk into a church, church service, you're, you're amazed and you're overwhelmed by this, this idea this, that, that these, the God is over here. He's around on the other side of the world and these are members of the body of Christ. These are, and, and that just amazed me, and that they are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. I found that truly so interesting. You're looking at them, you're going, we're, you actually do say this, you say, we're related. Now, you lose this phenomenon later when you go back and you do it more. But the first time, you're just amazed standing there. It's almost like you're, you're, you were adopted and, and later in life you get to meet your, your biological sister brother. And you go, ah, you've got my nose, you know, and, and you've got that, you've got the same calic and you use your hands. You communicate the same way I communicate. You're my, you're my brother. You, we have the same father. And when you get over there, you realize this is, this is the, this is your family. You have a family that you've never met. And when you see them, you are fully convinced that you're family. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, you have the same heavenly Father, and you know it, and you feel it. And here at COTR, as believers, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? Now, we certainly feel and know that, now, we feel it. We know that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, when I go to the mall, when I go somewhere and I see you, when I see you somewhere we just know that we're family. Hey, we're off. Now, when you're overseas, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. When you're here, it's a little bit different because you're all under the same roof. You're kind of on top of each other. You, you share the same square footage. You share the coffee bar. You know, on staff here, we share the same budget, you know, in a sense. And... and yeah, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, as, 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 as the, the Church on the Rock family, we serve together, we do life together, we cry together, we go to the altar together, we, uh, we go through hurricanes together, we go through floods together, we pull up carpet together, we go to Arkansas in the same van together and come back with, with COVID, you know, together, you know, and, and we, go, we, go to, we, go to, we go places together. And sometimes as family, because we're so on top of each other, we, we turn on each other and then we cry and ask forgiveness together. We repent together. We welcome. We teach together. We give our testimonies together. We go to the altar and cry together. If we're Cynthia Miller in front of a live audience, we roll off the stage <laughs> and we plop on the concrete, you know, and we get up and we dust ourselves off and you know, she just laughs it off if you know Cynthia Miller. If you're Pastor Kendall in front of a live audience, you 
bust your chops on the, on the stage and you, you stumble up and you, don't, you brush yourself off and then you bleed all over the, car, all over the stage and, and the actor runs out and slips on your blood, you know, we, we, and we all laugh together. Biblically, biblically, we are the body of Christ and we truly, it is biblical that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Although I think of us because we're so crammed in together. Can I give you a different, can I give you another term? And you're going to say, oh yeah, this is us. Here's what we are. Is this more accurate? Siblings in Christ. Oh my goodness. Does that say it so well? If you go to overseas to India, whoo, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. But if you're sharing the same square footage, if you're all over each other, you know what? You're not just brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, you're siblings in Christ. Would you agree? Now you begin to get the idea. It's totally different. Totally different. <laughs> you get the picture. We, well, look, we share, we share the same spiritual mother and father. We share everything together. And what happens when you're in the same household and you share the same mom and dad? What happens? That's <laughs> <So> what happens. <laughs> Come on. You ready for this one? You know what it is. Oh, yeah. Just go to India with us. I dare you. <laughs> Come on. We are... We pack differently. We eat differently. We sleep differently. We handle pressure in another country differently. We, uh, I'm telling you, some of the worst looks I have gotten from my siblings in Christ <laughs> were they, when they were just covered in sweat, working under our watch, dust sticking to them, passion, we're fervently looking for fans to save their lives, and they were just, they just wanted to kill me. Okay, I'm not kidding you. Those are the worst looks I think I've ever gotten. You know why? Because we're all over each other. Because we're doing something great together. Because we're on top of each other. And because we're sharing. When you begin to share, when you begin to live in the same environment, you really do, you really do go from being brothers and sisters in Christ to being siblings in Christ. We travel differently, eat differently, sleep differently, react to pressure differently. And after a gruesome hard day, some of us want to go to bed early. The day may end about 10 o'clock at night in India. And it's so hot and we're so tired. And we all handle exhaustion, exhaustion differently. So, some, some of us want to go to, uh, want to, go to sleep right, right away and won't even, won't even have supper. And the food's wonderful. Some think the food's wonderful. Some did not like the food. Some stay up, you know, till midnight and, and have their meal. And then they go to bed. Some, some want to sneak out at night after everybody goes to bed at midnight. Now, I won't say who they are, but they're, they're, uh, their initials are B and M. Brandon and me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, wait a minute, Kendall. We know I didn't see a K in there. You know, that's just, you know. You know, and, and it's what you, we're just all different. 
And because we're so on top of each other, we're going to have sibling rivalry. And there's so much. There is so much sibling rivalry in the Word of God. You don't even need a concordance. You don't even have to go to openbible.com. Oh, here's what you do. You just get your Bible, you know. Let's see, I've got to preach on sibling rivalry. Ah, there it is. Two mature guys love Jesus in ministry, and man, they are just, all, sibling rivalry is just all over them. You know, that's how, it is. that's how easy it is. The Word of God is so full of sibling rivalry. I, you, you could go anywhere. Well, here's where I'm going to go. We're going to go to John, the 21st chapter. And this is such a broad topic, and we have such a short amount of time. I'm just going to take a little, just a little slither of this out of John, the 21st chapter. And let me lay this down for you. Here in John, Jesus, this is where Jesus has risen from the dead. He's already visited the disciples two or three times, maybe, I'm not sure, three or four times. And the disciples, it's in, they decided to fish in the nighttime. I guess that's when the fish were biting or swimming. I don't know how they caught their fish with a net. I don't know how they did it. And uh, dragon nets, maybe. And they were, they were out in the nighttime. The Bible says in John 21 that they were about 100, 100 yards from shore. Now, there on shore, Jesus was, he had already risen from the dead. Did he beam down? What? I would love to see how he showed us up on earth. Just interesting. Anyway, Jesus is on the beach. The Bible says there's coals and embers. So he had been there a while when they got to the beach. And, and I'm wondering if the disciples could see him at 100 yards, see a figure on the beach, the embers glowing. He's got a fire going. Who is the guy? Is that your brother? Is that your son? What's going on? Anyway, they're not catching fish. Jesus hollers out at them about 100 yards out. Hey, have you caught anything? They say, no. He says, throw your net on the right side. They throw their net on the right side. And like I said in the foyer, John says, OMJ. You know, oh my Jesus. You know, <laughs> you know John says, it's Jesus. It's, 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 the, it's our Lord. It's the Lord. And, you know, Peter in his fashion, you know, he didn't win the race to the tomb, but my golly, he's going to beat John. He's going to win the race to the beach. And he gets to the beach. And now, in this passage, from what I, the way I read it, and they wrote differently then. They didn't lay out the picture for us. So you have to, they put things ahead and behind each other. They don't do it like we do storytelling. From what I can tell when I read this story, Jesus is... They, the, the word says that, that, they, uh, that they, they broke bread. Jesus had bread and loaves. And he had some already for him. He said, bring your fish. And they, they cooked it and they ate and had a good time. And then, Je you know, Jesus has got to work this thing out with Peter. Peter, you know, denied Christ three times. So this is that passage that you're familiar with where Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, and he's confused and frustrated. Now, I believe in this passage, it's my opinion based on, the, when you read this, the picture I get is that they're not around the campfire and the guys are going, eh. no, I think, I think Jesus is out. I believe Jesus is out walking with Peter on the beach. He's having a personal one-on-one time with him. Listen, you, you, you want to work out something with God, get around something that's moving. I think it's our nature that, this is why for guys sitting in front of a campfire, you just, man, just, 
You can just work out your problems in front of campfire. And there might be something here, I don't know, I haven't read this or I'm not a psychologist, where the flames are flicking and moving and it keeps you, it keeps things, it keeps things in your spirit moving and you're able to just go through the files. You're able to maybe get a lot done. Robert Benlin was struggling with going to Russia. Where he went to work this out was at the beach, I believe, Crystal Beach. And, and do you think Robert sat down in a chair at the beach or in the sand dunes and said, God, we got to talk? No. You know what he did? He moved. It's my guess. This is what I would do if I go to the beach to talk to God. What do you do? You walk the beach. You walk. And... <laughs> You, you, you've got the waves, the rhythm of the waves splashing against your feet and, and, and that, 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 this constant moving under your feet. And it's, to me, it just allows you to really, man, make good use of your time. It's just a good place to solve your, solve your problems in life. And I believe, for all that, I believe that Jesus walked with Peter. And they're walking along, and they have that conversation. After they have the, after they have the conversation of, you know, you know, yes, I love you three times, Jesus wraps it up with, feed my sheep. And then here's the next thing that Jesus says. Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to tell you the truth. When you were young, when you were young, you tied up your clothes around you. You girded up your clothes around you. And you went about your day, you went wherever you wanted to go. When you grow old, you're going to hold out your hands. And someone's going to gird up, tie up your hands. And they're going to take you to a place that you do not. They're going to take you to a place that you do not want to go. And after he says that, what a conversation to have with someone who's denied you three times. You want, to, you, want to, you, want to, you want to work out your troubles together. To tell someone that, listen, man, you're going to die a terrible death. And the author, John, he was, the, the, the author says, listen, he says, they, he, they, you know, Jesus was making it clear to, the, to Peter that, man, he was going to suffer, you know, for the glory of God, and which, means, which means, you know what that means. And, and then he says, look at this, and then after he says that, after he, after he tells Jesus, listen, man, it's going to go bad for you, dude. It's going it's to end bad. Sorry, you know, I came back to earth, beamed down to tell you this. It's going to go bad for you. It's not going to end good. And then he says, Peter, Peter. Look at me, you know, Peter, follow me. Peter turned around, now watch this. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. It's from that one little phrase statement that I believe that they were walking together and not around the campfire. That's where I get that from. So when Peter saw John walking behind them, this is John who leaned on the chest of Jesus who had front row seat with Jesus at the, Lord, at the Lord's, at the Last Supper. And now, now, now Peter has Jesus. I don't, know, I don't know what kind of seat in the house John, uh, Jesus, uh, Peter had at the Lord's Supper. I don't know. 
but he's got front row seat. He's got Jesus all to himself. He's got Jesus' favorite, John. They all knew that, Jesus, that John was Jesus' favorite. He's got John at bay, okay? He's at bay. He's walking behind him. Here's what, amazingly, when, when Jesus says, Peter, man, it's, it's, man, it's not going to end good for you. Here's what Peter says. Peter says, uh, Lord, <laughs> Lord, what about him? Your favorite. Okay, you just told me I'm screwed. What about him? Your favorite. The guy who had the front row seat at your last supper when I was probably, maybe when I was down on the end. You have to meet Peter where he is, okay? Just, you just have to know Peter. <laughs> you know, this is the same guy where Jesus said, hey, dude, get behind me, Satan, okay? So, so here, here's, here's, what, here's how Jesus handles Peter. He says, if I want him to live until I come back, what concern is that of yours? Well, I'm, I'm going to die a horrible death. What about this favorite of yours? Hey, if I send a chariot of fire down to him with Elijah at the, at the, at the wheel and you die upside down a horrible death, that's none of your, that's none of your business. I mean, I don't want to be too humorous here, but can you see Peter at the end of his death? He's upside, he's upside down. And for Jesus, when his feet were, had a nail driven through them, the blood ran down to his toes and dripped on the, on the ground. When Peter had a nail driven in his feet, the, <laughs> he, he's upside down and, and the blood ran up him, down his, through, his, through his body, you know, through, his, through his, che over his chest and up and through his beard and then through his face and through his hair and dipped, dripped onto the ground as he's, as he's dying a horrible death, suffocating. And then all he can do is look up. What does he do? He looks up and he sees John flying off in a chariot. You know, say, hey, hey, Peter, see you in a few minutes. And, and you know, I'm being a little bit funny, but can you imagine and Elijah slapping John on the back? Say, hey, dude, let me, let me take you through a thunderhead. It is so cool. Boom, and off they go while Peter's suffering violently in the last few minutes of his life. Well, siblings... In Christ, welcome to the body of Christ. Some of us are suffering, and some of us aren't. And for some of us, it's going to end good, and it'd be a beautiful storybook ending. For some of us, it's not. I was in a, um, I was in a, uh, uh, now, I'm not telling my Taco Bell drive-thru story. Okay, I got 10, I'll do it in 15 seconds. Look for something to eat, pull into Taco Bell. It was completely full of cars. We all went through really fast. There were cars all behind me, cars in front of me. <laughs> and it was closed. We were just driving through. It was silly. It was so funny. It was hilarious. I would, I, we all, we were, we was, it was, I just laughing my head off. <laughs> There were as many cars behind me as there were in front of me. And we went out to the street. In other words, that's how everybody wanted Taco Bell. Well, a week or two, I got sent to Chicken Express for, for, uh, for lunch after church. I knew it would be crowded, and it was. There was about 12, 13 cars, a lot of cars, you know, and Chicken Express isn't real fast. And, you know, I got up in there, all these cars in front of me, and I, I'm a one or two cars. I'm just one or two cars uh, ready to, uh, uh, to get my food. And, uh, 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 and, and we're so wired in a complicated way, but we're wired the same. 
way in a great sense and to console myself that I had suffered getting to the end of the line with 20 people and no one in front of me I caught myself doing this and it was just so good it was such a good learning experience I looked at my rearview mirror saying yeah I take that all of you people you know I suffered and now you're gonna suffer and I was at the end of the line but now I'm not and I looked I looked up and there was nobody behind me I mean how did that happen I was the only one. I mean, there was like 12 or 14 cars. I get in line. Well, has that ever happened to you? And, you, and you, you want, look, when you're at the bottom of life, you don't want to be alone. You do not, you do not. When you're suffering, when you don't have a job, when you don't have any money, when your kids are giving, you turning your life into like a living hell, hell on earth. I'm not cussing, I really mean that. You know, you just want to know that it's, there's other parents that are next to you that are suffering. And as you get closer and closer together, you can be convinced that you're suffering alone, that you're the only one that doesn't have the job, have a job. You're the only one that, that is going about to retire, doesn't have a pension. You're the only one who's divorced and doesn't and doesn't know doesn't know what you're going to do. You're the only one that sees your family falling apart. You're, you're the only one that that, that has uh, panic attacks, or you're the, you're the only one that, that, uh, that just, lie, just, you're just, you're just hurting. And so what we do, we look in the rearview mirror. <sighs> we just don't want to be alone. <laughs> and we're willing, I am willing to suffer hardships. I'm willing to dig a ditch in the rain by myself, maybe. But boy, if I've got somebody digging it with me, man, I, you know what? I have no complaints. Maybe this is why support groups go so well. Maybe this is their success. You find someone who, who's suffering with you and you're, you're, see, you're not, I know this is like maybe a selfish way to, well, a part of the, maybe this is one of the selfish benefits. You go home and you say, well, at least they got problems like I got problems. And, and there's a, and there's, and there's a, the way we're wired, that, that's a, maybe a, a balm for our, for our sores, and it, and, it, and it helps us out. Even Jesus didn't suffer alone. He was hung on the cross between two criminals. Jacob. I like the story of Jacob Esau's younger twin brother. If you're in a dysfunctional family and you have a, a family member who maybe drug users will do this, and I'm, I'm dabbling respectfully, you know what? You just can't take your eyes off of them when they come home to see you because they'll steal from you. One of the lowest things you can do is steal from your parents. Do you know that? Jacob. Jacob stole from his parents. He stole from his family. He stole from his dad. Jacob was a liar. He was a, he was a, he was a thief. He was a, he was a real cheat. You, if Jacob came home, hey, Jacob's coming home, had the, birth, had, had the birthrights, okay? He's, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna walk out with one. You couldn't trust him. He was a total, he was a, he was a total mess. His family knew it, and when the family knows it, 
the cousins know it, the uncles, and everybody knows it. If you work with Jacob, hide your tools, okay? He's going to take it. If he wants something, he's just going to, he thinks he has the right to it, birthrights. He's just going to take it. That's what Jacob does. Until Jacob, in the nighttime, he wrestled with an angel. Oh, this is so wonderful. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his family, and he, he was about to have a confrontation with his brother Esau, who he had stolen stuff from. And he takes his family and says, yes, y'all go this way. You know, I'll take a hit for you. And, uh, and so, so the Bible says, and after uh, he sent his family across the stream and all their possessions, Jacob was left alone, and a man, an angel, God, wrestled with Jacob till daybreak. When did he wrestle? He wrestled in the nighttime. And when the man saw that he could not, the angel, the man could not overpower him, man, Jacob was a good grabbler. I mean, this, this guy knew how to wrestle. He could get, I don't know where he learned to wrestle. He got this angel in a hold, and this angel couldn't get out. And so this angel tapped, he, 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 he took the Jacob's uh, uh, hip out of socket and, and, then, and then Jacob went down and then Jacob just finally, Jacob tapped out. Interesting. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and so the hip was wrenched and he wrestled with the man and then the man said, here's what the angel said, you gotta let me go, the sun's coming up. Now, this is weird because angels, they're not scared of light. They will show up in the daytime. Just ask David's friend, he's bought a, he bought a, uh, 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 some, some, a plot of land to, to, to make a sacrifice after David messed up. You know, there's angels right there, boom. Angels aren't, it's not like angels are afraid of the light, but this angel had to go because the sun was coming up. Not because of the angel. I believe it's out of respect for Jacob. Listen, listen. You may think that you're suffering alone and you're fully convinced because we're all over each other. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to judge your life. You'll begin to judge how much God loves you. You'll begin to, you'll begin to judge how much favor is on your life from, from God based on what you perceive because you look in your review mirror and this sibling moment and you don't see anybody in the rearview mirror. You're the last in line. I want, I want you to know, you don't, maybe you, you need to be convinced of this. We, who are having great troubles and are distraught in life, and that, uh, that's, well, Jesus said it, Jesus called it a mm, secret time? Matthew 6. This is a moment when Jesus is talking to the crowd and he, he, he schools them on fasting. The way the Pharisees fasted, he says this. Jesus says, when you fast, don't look sullen like the hypocrites for they make faces unattractive so the people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting, but only to your Father who is in secret. Here's what your siblings in Christ are doing. You don't see them in the rearview mirror. Oh, they're there. They're having troubles. Look, I don't know. There's a grace on Pastor Ron to stand up here and preach. 
and he's looking at three, four hundred people. He knows our troubles. If only he could just say, let me tell you the troubles that all of you are having so that you will know that all of you are having troubles. I sat down with a little girl. She's just just a tender little girl, preteen, a few weeks ago. Family, parents were separated. And I, and I said to her, I said, do you, do you say, and the kids are playing at rec time and she's upset. I said, see that little girl over there? She goes, yeah. I said, I said, she looks happy. She said, yeah. I said, her mom and dad just divorced about a month ago. She goes, really? I go, yeah. I said, and, and her heart is breaking. She goes, really? I go, yeah. I said, see that little boy over there playing at the, 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 the carpet ball game? She goes, yeah. I said, he's here today. He's having fun. I said, he won't be here next week because his parents just recently divorced. And, he, and, and uh, he's here today because he's with his mom for this weekend. And she loves Jesus. But next week he goes to his dad. He doesn't like his dad too much. His dad does bad things. And he doesn't love Jesus. So next week he won't be at church. She goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, but you know what? Look at them. I said, they could be a good friend to you. They could, they could, use, they could use your friendship. I said, I said to her, I said, you are not alone. I said, they need a good friend. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Do, do like David. When David was in the castle, the desert became his new castle. And, he, and what it did, it gave him a new reach. He had 700 men that traveled with him that would, not, he would, have, that would have never met David if he had stayed in the castle. Joseph lived in the castle. He got thrown in prison. He got a new reach. He reached out and touched men's lives in dark dungeons that he had never met. Brand new reach. There is there. I want. I wanted to. To. I want to. I want you to know there is a grace that that Joseph that put on when he stepped into the prison. There was a grace that when David got on his horse and rode out in the desert, desert never slept in the castle again until he became king. And there is a grace on you when you find yourself. I want to encourage you when you find yourself in, in the, the drive-through line and and you look in the rearview mirror and you see nothing. Don't be fooled. You're not alone. You know what they've done? They've wrestled with God in the nighttime. The testimonies over here, wow, they're, they're wonderful and they're beautiful. But see, you, you, you wrestle in the nighttime with God and you grapple and just as the sun's coming up, you tap out. And you walk with a limp the rest of your life. But you wrestle in the nighttime and you testify in the daytime. That's what, you know what happened to Jacob? Do you, do you know the story? God changed his name to Israel. He had 12 sons. The tribes of Israel. You know when, you know when that happened? Do you know when he got his new name? when he wrestled with God in the nighttime. And he led Israel to a brand new day in the daytime. You're not seeing their nighttime. 
all you see when you get together is they walk in after they, their God breaks them and they're, 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 they submit and, they're, they're, and under their own power they can't even walk and they come out of their, their secret time with God and they walk out with a limp and they walk in and then you see them over at the coffee bar and, they, and you walk up to them and they say, hi, would you like a cup of coffee? And then if you watch them, When you see them go out to their car, they're limping. But it's a beautiful gait. I mean, it's a beautiful uh, stride. Okay. But it cost them. So here's what I want to do. If you think you're suffering, you're not suffering alone. Increase your secret time with God. You'll tap out. And you'll come back in. God never travels alone. David said, when I go up high, God's with me. When I go down low, God's with you. When you're low, God's with you. But he doesn't travel alone. There are others that will come in and be with you. Amen? Amen.